Surprise! It's me, Gareth A. Hopkins, the host of the podcast Alpha Podflight, uh, and I've been away for some time um, for a variety of reasons, mostly laziness. I recorded this podcast with Eamon Clark uh, back in December 2019, I think, before, I don't know, some stuff happened. And you'd think that being locked down would uh, provide me with enough time to edit and release this podcast, but I never got around to it. So here it is. Um, uh, I've listened back to it. It's fine. It's it's all right. Um, I'm hoping to get the podcast going again. Uh, I've got some nebulous plans for that. Uh, nothing solid lined up but I have bought a new microphone which I'm talking into now um, hopefully that helps since recording this um, I've been very busy as has Eamon so I'll start with him he has continued making the Mega City Book Club podcast and there'll be a link for that uh, in the show notes um, and he's also edited the second uh, issue of the DUI compilation, which is um, drawn under the influence, which was created as part of the Awesome Comics podcast community, uh, and I'll put a link for you to buy a, a copy of that in the show notes. I did a two-page story in that called "Levitating Warbike" about a super spy and his wife um, trying to help him in his endeavours. And I've been busy as well. I have finally released Explosive Sweet Freezer Razors. You can hear at the end of this podcast, I say that I think it'll be out next year. And it came out uh, two months ago or around then. But it's it's lovely. It's great. And if you haven't bought a copy yet, then you should consider doing so. And uh, there'll be a link to where you can buy that in the show notes too. Um, I'm going to stop rambling now. You can listen to this episode and then hopefully there'll be some more in the future. Um, I hope you've been well. And I was going to say I love you, but that's a bit too much. See you on the other side. Bye. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Alpha Podflight, the podcast where every episode I'm joined by guests and we talk about a single issue of the comic Alpha Flight. This time I'm joined by Eamon. Eamon, could you introduce yourself to the listeners? Uh, yes, hello Gareth. I'm Eamon Clark. Uh, I do a podcast, doesn't everybody do a podcast nowadays? Uh, <laughs> I do a podcast called Mega City Book Club, which uh, started out as a 2000 AD podcast, although we're sort of branching out now. and we It's like a British comics podcast, I think, is what we're sort of doing, but... Uh, um, and yeah, check out episodes 20 and episodes 107, which had a certain Gareth A. Hopkins on as a <laughs> That's guest, right, yeah. discussing two very peculiarly British comics, uh, one called Indigo Prime and one called Revere, um, which in a way couldn't be further from Alpha Flight, but yeah, there you go. No, they are, they are different op- ends of the spectrum, comic like action comics-wise. Um, so I don't know what the, the common factor is in my interest in them but that's probably for a psychiatrist to diagnose rather than a podcast <laughs> although as you say uh, everyone's got a podcast so maybe there's something in that in terms of everyone needing a psychiatrist or but, everybody needs a bit of talking therapy about these, that's these it, comics yeah. that mean so much to us <laughs> well because i don't know about you but my wife is not that interested <laughs> in me constantly breaking down pages for her so no um mind yeah. you <laughs> um uh, right, so uh, 
we're here today to talk about Alpha Flight number 27, uh, which uh, is dated October of, and I'm reading it in trade, so I haven't got, uh, 1985, going by the signature on the cover. Yep, that's right. Um, it's called Betrayal. Uh, John Byrne is on story and art. Keith Williams was the inking assist. Andy Yankus on the colouring. Rick Parker lettering. Denny O'Neill was the editor. Or Dennis O'Neill. Uh, I think it's Dennis, isn't it? Why have I been calling him Denny? Well, he's credited as Dennis, but I think he still sort of does his editorials as Denny, doesn't he, I think? Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, he, uh, signs, anyway. he signs the letters page as Denny. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not wrong, at least, yeah. uh, for once. And um, Jim Shooter is the editor-in-chief. Uh, so if you want to give us... So we're nearing the end of John Byrne's run here. So I think this is his uh, penultimate issue before... Is 29 his last? Or not uh, far 28, off? 28, I think. And then he does the sort of Hulk crossover, I think. With Yeah, So that and that's where... Um, Bill Mantlow and him swap on yes. 29. Um, but, yeah, so if you'd like to give us a run-through of what happens in this. Uh, have you read the issues either side? Because it's part of a... I have, yes. I've got, sequence, the big, yeah. I've got the big omnibus, which is a huge volume. Oh, that's right, yeah. yeah. But I've also got the single issue of 27 in front of me as well, um, yeah. which is fun because, of course, it's got all the ads in it, which is <laughs> delightful. But, yeah. Uh, I've got that uh, upstairs, but um, just the way that I've managed to arrange my life makes it difficult to get to. So luckily, I've, on on my shelf, I've got the the trade paperbacks that they put out a few years ago. So. Okay. Yeah. So this is one that you can almost judge by the cover because the cover almost tells the whole story. It's got a robot wearing Guardian's costume on the front cover, holding Snowbird up by the throat and telling Shaman that... Uh, He's got a choice between saving his daughter or saving Snowbird, which is going to be like the conclusion of this issue. Uh, inside, it's the second part of a sort of battle that's going on with Omega Flight, and it takes place in the real world West Edmonton shopping mall, which at the time, I gather, was the biggest shopping mall in the world, which I think they tell you a couple of times... <laughs> In, yeah, in both issues, there's not as much uh, sort of Canada trivia in this one, but I know in the in the previous one, I think that's the one that we did with Phil. If you uh, when we started, there's a lot of um, uh, description uh, stats on the Edmonton Mall. But, yes, uh, yeah. So the uh, sense of place, we're definitely in Canada. Uh, <laughs> Omega Flight um, have sort of defeated half of Alpha Flight, and. Of course, this is because Guardian, who has uh, who had come back to the comic, famously, of course, you know, spoilers for uh, 1980. Uh, <laughs> famously, of course, Guardian was dead, and he'd come back to the comic, um, and there was a big mystery about how he'd come back from the dead. And in the last issue, of course, it's revealed that not only is it um, a character called Delphine Courtney. Uh, yep. who was actually inhabiting the Guardian suit. But she's, of course, she's a robot as well. Um, great name, Delphine Courtney. Sounds like she's either got two surnames or two forenames. I can't, you know, first names. <laughs> and I'm never sure which way around it is either, well, if it's Courtney exactly Delphine. That's exactly my problem. I, I couldn't work out whether she was Courtney Delphine or Delphine Courtney. I think she's Delphine Courtney. Anyway, so she is the robot and... Uh, she has, with Omega Flight, defeated half of Alpha Flight, and then she tortures 
uh, talisman in order to send make her send out a psychic distress signal to uh, her father shaman is he shaman Shaman, shaman shaman anyway i always say shaman uh, yeah, we we'll stick had, with that i think uh, we had um, anthony on the other day who is from canada and he says shaman so ah okay right uh, depends how colonial you are maybe right. <laughs> So anyway, uh, yes, uh, well, unfortunately I'm not. But yes. <laughs> so her father gets the distress signal. So the rest of Alpha Flight turn up. Um, and it looks like it's going to be a great punch up between, you know, Alpha Flight and Omega Flight again. Uh, but Delphine Courtney, still masquerading as Guardian, steals Shaman's magical um, medicine pouch because yep. he wants to rescue is it smart alec the smart uh, alec yeah. yeah from the med- who's apparently has disappeared into the medicine pouch in a previous issue uh and because he can't find him he does the thing you're not supposed to do which is turn it inside out and releases the void um which is quite marvelous we'll talk about that a bit later on but yep. um so Delphine Courtney has released the void from the medicine pouch. Uh, the rest of Omega Flight um, take one look at this and decide this is um, above their pay grade and they all clear off. Uh, so that means Shaman and Talisman have to um, rescue the rest of Alpha Flight from the void. So Sh- uh, Talisman has to go into the void while Shaman is, I think, guiding her from outside. That's right, yeah. And then, of course, it's going to lead up to this uh, dreadful sort of conclusion cliffhanger where the robot Delphine Courtney has got Snowbird and is, um, I guess, basically sort of like throttling her. Yeah. And then he gives gives Shaman the choice. You either save Snowbird or you save your daughter from the void. Mm. Um, and that leads up to the end of the issue because uh, it all doesn't go terribly well, obviously. And no. That, and that will lead on, I think, to the next issue, which was the Secret Wars crossover or Secret Wars 2 crossover with the Beyonder. Yeah. So I think um, this scene appears in Secret Wars 2. Right. And uh, so uh, where I've got it in trade, I've got like the three and a half page sequence where Beyonder turns up and saves everybody. Right. Uh, and then they, they recap that in issue 28. Right. As well, so. Okay. Yeah. And uh, just Snowbird, how do mm. Snowbird's powers work? Shouldn't she be able to transform <laughs> anyway? I mean, I know she it's... Sh- yeah, she should be. Um, I don't know. I, um, it's plot so she should be able- that she can't transform while, while uh, the, the robot's sort of dangling her in midair, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, she shouldn't... <sighs> Snowbird is a powerful character uh, and shows she wouldn't be uh helpless but i suppose as a as a plot um as a plot device uh, that's how it works and she's also confused she's not she didn't even know that guardian had come back from the dead so yeah um maybe maybe that's where the weakness is um but yeah it, it's left on a proper cliffhanger um i should imagine that if you're reading this um monthly then um it would have had a fair amount of impact actually um, especially the look on Shaman's face at, in that last big panel. Yes. Uh, he's genuinely distraught. Um, I think he's realised for once that he's made an actual mistake. Yes. 
That's right. And he's uh, he's a guy who carries around a certain amount of guilt with him about his mother. Or no, about his wife. His wife, rather. yeah. Yes, Talisman's mother. About yeah. how he failed her and now how he's failing his daughter as well. So it's a real... <laughs> There's a real sort of husband and father thing going on for him. He, as you say, he's genuinely wrecked at the end of this issue. Yeah. Um, by it all. Uh, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. And what's interesting is the counterpoint to that is when he is... Because he sends Talisman into the void. Um, she's not sure. She says, I don't really think that's a good idea. And he's like, no, no, no. You go in. I'll, I'll be outside. <coughs> Excuse me. Everything's going to be fine. And then also the look on his face. So he's outside sort of stroking this abstract void. Yes. With a very sort of satisfied look on his face, very calm. Uh, he's totally in control. A bit smug almost. Um, and then to see the break there. Because um, even down to when he's been told it's either Snowbird or Talisman, he's still very casual about, oh, I'll do both. Yes. Uh, he reaches into the void, grabs out this uh, sort of massive... Of biological matter. I don't, I'm not sure what it is. A swamp bomb. Um, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's, um, it's a yeah. It's a plant missile. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So that's a pretty succinct rundown of the episode, of the issue. Um, the one thing that I th- uh, there's a couple of bits in here that uh, also happen. So that's the main plot. We've also got the the sort of seed plot for the next issue, which is where. Um, shaman sasquatch who is currently trapped in the box robot his mind has been trapped in there and roger box have come up with a a a super secret plan to grab a body from another dimension for walter langowski to move back into yeah um and um yeah all sorts of fantastic machines here yes absolutely Um, fantastic machinery and he's tapped into some sort of Roger Box has tapped into some sort of uh, a dimensional nexus, a crossroads of realities. Yeah. Uh, which Sharman recognises straight away, obviously. He's... Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> he knows exactly First what First year at medical school. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then they they see the, the outline shadow of a figure um, of a uh, humanoid, virtually no brainwave pattern, and built like a brick shipyard. <laughs> <laughs> Must be a Canadian expression. <laughs> yeah. Um, and um, it's quite obviously shaped like the Hulk. So I don't... Maybe it's just us as comic readers we can tell that. Yes. But, um, yeah, naivety on the on the part of Alpha Flight there. Yes. I've been doing their homework. There's a there's a big hulking brute we can put Walter's brain into, or brought Walter's, uh, I suppose, mind into, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we well, we know how that goes. Yes. Uh, oh, I do. I don't know if you do. <laughs> um, um, so yeah, there's that. So um, that's a rundown of the comic. Is there anything in particular that you like about this issue? So there's a couple of things. I remember um, the X Men comics of the 70s and 80s, uh, mm. when of course Claremont and, and Byrne were do, turning out these great stories, and. Um, what I remember particularly about those stories, I may get this wrong, but what I remember would be that the, the X-Men would fight usually the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants and it would usually happen in a real-world location like a shopping mall or a, you know, uh, a Capitol building or something like that. And the X-Men would be uh, being pretty rubbish because they were not 
fighting as a team or they were all going through some personal crises and then usually in the second issue they'd get their sort of get them pull themselves together uh colossus would throw wolverine at somebody usually. <laughs> um and then they'd scrape out a drawer and everybody would withdraw and go home and lick their wounds and yeah senator kelly would go on television and make a speech about the mutant menace again yeah and then next issue it would be a danger room episode or something like that or kitty pride being um, in trouble with some alien in the, the mansion or something like that yeah and what I liked here was that this was, in a way, it was very similar. They've got this real-world location, the West Edmonton Mall. They've got, you know, Alpha versus Omega. Um, and it and it's shaping up to be a sort of um, a punch-out or a fight between the two teams. And then, of course, as you say, it gets, uh, gets diverted into this uh, other plot about the void and about Shaman and Talisman. Um, and the dreadful decisions that he's got to make. So yeah. that's all good fun, actually. I quite liked all that. I love all that um, real-world location, and I love two teams coming together. Um, and it reminded me, as I say, of those sort of great X-Men comics that I used to read back in the 70s and 80s. Yeah. Which, of course, is sort of in a way where, you know, John Byrne comes from, you know. That's where I, I guess he made his big break, isn't it? Before he goes on to Fantastic is, Four yeah. and then this. I've said it elsewhere, but uh, sometimes it feels like Alpha Flight is John Byrne trying to show how he would do X Men. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, the interesting thing, because I know we've talked about this, was because I, you know, I was reading these back in the day. I was picking these up in the eighties, and. Um, I had always assumed that it was a passion project for John Byrne. In fact, I actually, for ages, I thought he was Canadian. Uh, yeah. I know he's, um, what would you call him now, British-American, isn't he? He's born in Warsaw. He is now. Yes. Yeah. So, But it's complicated because I, I didn't think he was Canadian. Um, but he was born in England and then moved to Canada and he spent most of his life there. Ah, so, right. Up until I think he moved to America in his early twenties, and now he's American, but he grew up Canadian. Ah, if that makes okay. Sense. So I I always thought this was his passion project. This was the one he really wanted to do, Alpha Flight. Yeah. And um, you know, we did obviously we didn't have the internet, but we did have comics about comics. So particularly there was a comic called Amazing Heroes, and they would do interviews with uh, big name creators. And I seem to remember. I mean, obviously, they were sort of promotional pieces for their comics. So I guess none of the creators would say, actually, I don't want to do this comic. I'm over, you know, I've been held over a barrel. <laughs> so they would talk They would talk it up. And I seem to remember, you know, reading that this was, this was John Byrne's thing. It was going to be his project, what he really wanted to do. Yeah. But, of course, listening to your podcast, I find... That, that might not necessarily be completely true, although it's, the truth is complicated with John Byrne, isn't it? It is, it is very complicated. So, and, and the reason that this came up is that Thought Bubble uh, we talked about briefly, and I had been lucky enough to talk to Jim Shooter briefly at MCM and asked him about Alpha Flight, uh, just in sort of broad terms. But the story he spun was that he couldn't remember whether it was him or John who wanted to do it. Because I've been telling everyone that Jim Shooter had made John Byrne do it 
he didn't want to do it but if he wanted to do Fantastic Four then he had to do it and there's some sort of payoff and it's a bit acrimonious but speaking to Jim Shooter he well first of all he barely remembered it <laughs> it wasn't something that he he was that fussed about talking about I don't think uh, um, but also yeah he seemed to remember it being John Byrne's project and I think the reason that it is tricky is that John seems to have a habit of rewriting his own history yes um so, I've, I mean, we've had uh, um, someone who's kind enough to record a panel he did where he talked about Alpha Flight, and he seemed a bit warmer to the characters there, but certainly in previous interviews he's done, he's been sort of anti-anti-anti-anti-flight, anti-Alpha Flight, um, uh, and has felt burdened by the fact that he made them and people have opinions about them. Uh, and he's also um, said that he doesn't think that anybody in Marvel is canon, like uh, official canon, unless they were made by Stan and Jack. And I think he gives dispensation to Steve Ditko, and uh, who we'll talk about in a minute, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's tricky to pick that apart. And I probably I keep forgetting half the stuff I learn. Um, uh, Bear in mind how much time I spent with Alpha Flight. Coming back to this issue, I had to go and read the others to work out what was going on. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, but yeah. So who knows? All I can all I can say is that on the page, he looks like he's enjoying himself. Yes. Yeah, he does. And as you say, this may be his version of what the X Men would have been under his control. Um, and when you say he's enjoying himself, let's talk about the other really good thing that I liked here, which mm. is the artistic yeah. choices he makes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not so much, uh, you know, his figure work and his sort of superheroes. It's when he depicts the void that I get quite excited about this issue. Yeah, Because, yeah. so he has to depict this sort of weird, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, biomystical, almost machinery thing erupting mm. around the characters yep. um, and for some reason you know comics always always remind me of other comics so this reminds me of I don't know if you know Frank Miller's comic Ronin from the 80s um, I'm sort of familiar with it. I, I haven't read it but I'm familiar with it yeah so there's a sort of mixture of uh, organic and machinery in that which is slowly there's this sort of uh, industrial complex at the heart of it which expands over the four issues and some of the work with the void expanding around all the characters reminded me of that he had this sort of Frank Millerish um, feel mm. to it Yeah. but then of course on the next couple of pages what happens is you, as we say is that Talisman go, has to go into the void and then we get uh you know, you've mentioned Stan and Jack. We get something like the Fantastic Four issues where Reed and the Ben would always be exploring the negative zone, I think it was. Yeah. And they'd, you know, one of them would get lost or whatever and have to be pulled yeah. out by the thing. But there's also, you've mentioned Steve Ditko, and it's like those Doctor Strange uh, issues. That, where, yeah, those are the ones that I was thinking of when I read it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because he was always, you know, journeying through magical planes. Um, something they did a bit in the movie version as well. But, you know, and so it's like that. You've got Byrne uh, doing this sort of weird mystical planes. I don't know what you'd call them. They're sort of like magical realms and this ghostly talisman sort of 
uh, flying through them. And I thought that's all great stuff. Yeah. And it reminds me of um, the issue that we did previously with uh, Steve, which was about when they went into the underworld. What was that? 24, I think. Oh, right. Um, uh, and it, where John Byrne uses similar art styles, so that sort of scratchy, not scratchy, but that sort of semi um, biomechanical. He uses a similar form of inking to, to create detail and shape in that. Um, which actually, it, it's sort of reminiscent of um, early Carlos Esquera, uh, the way that he uh, shaded stuff by doing lots of lines which outlined the shape of an yes. object. Um, there's a little bit there. But um, no, I love it. And obviously, um, it sort of harkens back to some of some of my work, not intentionally, but some of how I think about uh, pages and stuff. It, it's uh, certainly back when I started it's it's similar to that and I love the fact that it's um, when the bag first gets turned inside out um, he's drawn it like a pane of glass shattering yeah uh, and then it just the the outside of the void is that occurring over and over and over again whereas on the inside it's it's a lot more curvy and uh, it's very like 1960s sort of um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for like head Yes, trippy, shops, isn't it? Trippy, yeah. 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 So I'm looking yeah. at page 12 where the robot guardian, who is Delphine Courtney or whatever, yeah. um, as you say, she, it's like that panel. It's like, as you say, the glass is broken and you've got Aurora, who's the first one to be trapped by it. And, of course, and she has to say sapristi just to remind us that she's <laughs> French-Canadian because I think she has to do that you know, it's contractually every fourth page or something like that. <laughs> and then pages 16 and 17 are where Talisman uh, is in the void. And that's great. That's, as you say, I can see that in your comics, actually, mm. in some of your abstractions. Um, so that's fantastic stuff. And I've just flicked to 24 in the omnibus, and it, that, it goes all black and white, doesn't it? Uh, 20... At least it does mine. This is the oh, one yes. in the underworld. Oh, yes. No, it is, yeah. yeah. And it's beautifully that's right. shaded. Yeah. Yeah. So I loved um, all that about this issue. I loved the big punch-up in a real-world location. And then I loved <laughs> the artwork when it goes all trippy and weird. And it is very... It does, I think, reference all those 60s comics, you know, um, the Fantastic Four and the Negative Zone, but particularly Doctor Strange and his mystical planes, hmm. wherever he was going. Yeah. Um, uh, so um, other things that I like, it. There's there's one short scene where we see Snowbird... Because she left previously, uh, it says here uh, in issue twenty-four, she they defeated all the great beasts, so she went into retirement and uh, snuck off with um, Doug. Um, and so we see them in his little house, uh, and when she feels take like hears the call, she she latches onto Talisman's distress call. But what's most uh, noticeable here? Is her hairline? It's terrible. <laughs> it is creepy. Yeah. So instead of eyebrows, she's got a hairline. Yes. Um, so her hair seems to just start on her forehead, literally just above her eyes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit weird. Um, and I'm not. Uh, yeah, I don't like that. I don't um, know what, who, what, how that <laughs> happened. If that was the inker or the colorist, but it's it's very strange, isn't it? Yeah, and I'm not sure if she's always because when she's like been in her alter ego of uh, what's her name Anne 
I think that's that's what she calls herself. Yeah, she I don't works think for the Lens... Royal Canadian Mounted Police, doesn't she? That's right. Um, and I don't think her hairline has been that pronounced low down before. I suppose it's because she's supposed to be half animal, half goddess. Uh, I don't know, but yeah, it's it's particularly disturbing here. Okay. Um, so I mean, there's a couple of things that bother me about Snowbird. One is why she can't escape from Delphine at the end of the issue. Yeah. Why she can't yeah. transform when she's been held by the neck? Does she have to speak to transform? I don't know. No, um, I don't think it. No, well, because when she turns into a bear, she doesn't speak to untransform, no. does she? So why so. she doesn't transform then? It's just plot convenience. And then the other thing that puzzles me is why she has a secret identity, other than <laughs> you know we know that all superheroes have to have a secret identity or a real world identity. They have yeah. to be journalists or police officers or you know something uh, teachers or doctors you know, I suppose in the case of Shaman um, but you know if she's some sort of mystical guardian of the north I don't understand why she spends time no. working as a police officer <laughs> and it, it only causes her problems in her life exactly. as well so, it only seems um, to cause trouble <laughs> so no I'm not sure either uh, Snowbird is my, uh, she's some people's favourite character. Oh, right. uh, that's fair enough on them. Um, but I, I don't. I've never really warmed to her. Right. Um, and then her uh, hairline is really creepy. <laughs> just adds to it, yeah. Um, um, so that, yeah, Snowbird. But she doesn't really have, other than being bait. She hasn't got a a major role to play in this. Uh, nor do most of the other Alpha Flight characters because they're they're unconscious for yeah. most of it. Um, Puck and oh, there's that really awful, awful, excellent panel where um, when Shaman teleports himself and the others into the mall, and uh, the fake guardian meets them and points to the other side of the mall. At uh, what page am I looking at? Page number ten. Yeah. He says, "Oh, they're over there," and it's actually um, Omega Flight holding their unconscious bodies up. <laughs> It looks really <laughs> terrible, doesn't it? <laughs> um, it's a bit suspect, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, um, but yeah, so they, other than because uh, they've all been drugged as well. So other than tal- uh, we, Talisman, we find out has been drugged, um, but they've all been knocked out and they're all, um, yeah, unavailable. There's also the other thing. There's a few like little. Um, oh, so there's uh, the scene where we are learning about. Um, box and well both boxes yeah. so Walter and boxes work with dimensional uh, fishing I guess we call it yeah. um, is this scene where um, Shaman is fixing Aurora's broken ribs oh yes yeah she was broken uh, in a sort of um, uh, battle with some military robot robots in the last issue, I think, wasn't it? That's right, because of Guardians' poor Court. battle, yes. which he's never noted for when he was alive. But uh, <laughs> now that he's a robot, he's even worse. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just a, it's a, a funny pose. I think if if it wasn't for the dialogue, you'd wonder what was happening. I think uh, with him using his the way he's got his hands positioned and the way that she's sat is. Uh, borderline dodgy, I think. Yeah, it's a bit weird, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so that's something that's always stuck out to me. And I'm going to call into question his medicine as well at that point. <laughs> Speaking as a well, doctor, he... he's... <laughs> you don't do that to ribs. 
But anyway, yes. <laughs> and in the next panel, she calls Walter Cherie just to, as I say, for contractual obligations, you know. Yes. She will say something French every third or fourth panel. Yeah. yeah. Um, but um, and she seems delighted that uh, these three men have gone to all this effort just to... Um, were, how does Bo- uh, Roger um, phrase it? Um, that uh, uh, He says Walter is... Uh, would like to be phys- oh yeah and of course being a very dot 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 physical person <laughs> Mr. Langowski is not happy inside box um, so yeah there, there's always been that undercurrent with uh, with Walter that um, <laughs> he uh, he likes having his body around yeah uh, um, yeah so uh, and obviously Aurora is delighted at the fact they've gone to all this effort uh, essentially for her yeah <laughs> Yes. Um, yeah. So, uh, what else? I'm sure there's other things. Was there anything about this that you didn't like? We mentioned Snowbird uh, being a plot device. Yes. So the only other thing that really stood out to me when you know going back and reading this is um, the problem with comics at this time was they had this. Uh, you know, it's oft repeated that every comic was somebody's first issue. So you've got to catch up the readers every month on exactly who everybody is, what their powers are, what their relationships are, what happened in the last issue. And so some of the panels of dialogue or some of the speech bubbles of dialogue, um, really, you just think, gosh, you know, you could cut that back, Mr. Byrne. (laughs) Um, I, I mean, I wonder about other comics of the time and I'm thinking particularly because I've been recently I've been rereading uh, Alan Moore's Saga of the Swamp Thing mm. and it, and he he and his artists get away with so much less in the way of recaps in each issue they just assume that right. people will figure it out whereas because in you know here in the sort of second page we get that panel that goes across two pages at the top where the robot is uh, introducing Omega Flight, introducing Alpha Flight that they've just defeated at the same time, um, yeah. telling everybody how they did it, and it just, and it's you know it's a bit like that. And then again, when you get to that scene with uh, Box and Walter and Aurora, mm. and uh, Walter Box says just to recap for you <laughs> and then he has i think six speech bubbles where he sort of you know so that stuff really got to me actually when i was rereading right. it's like gosh you know there was a lot of words in those days <laughs> yeah but i mean it's interesting hearing you say that um knowing how much dread you would have read in 2000 AD, especially the 70s and 80s where they were recapping every four or five pages this is um, true yes um, and, and and after what one, if you read something in, in, like that in trade, you just sort of get used to the rhythm, and you like you don't notice it. But the, for the first, when you pick up one of those old two thousand AD collections for the first time in a while, it takes it takes a little bit to get used to them, especially with John Wagner, like specifically saying what's happening, um, uh, and until you're in tune with that, it can be a bit. And I suppose because of, this is the sort of stuff that I've been reading a lot. And especially because I came into um, this issue, I came in cold, essentially. I hadn't picked it up for uh, a while, to a year at least. 
and it, it's felt like a very long year and it actually helped me to sort of work out oh, what right. was going okay. on um, I found it really useful um, to, um, um, so yeah and but I can I, I do understand people's uh, um, reservations about the way that they recap constantly but I suppose if I was to compare it to more recent comics uh, where uh, especially for Marvel and stuff where essentially writing for the trades they'll write four or five issues knowing that it'll be collected up to be resold together if you had to come into one of those four or five issues in then you'd have no idea what was going on um, and certainly I've found that where I've picked up the odd thing because the cover looks nice and it's been almost impossible to catch up yeah so, I mean, uh, you're probably yeah. right about the comparison between John Wagner then and John Wagner now. You know, as I say, if I went back and read the dreads, they'd be full of recaps and people explaining how his guns work and how the different rounds work and how the, you know, Mega City law works. Oh, well, yeah, because every, every time he went to change ammo, they'd have to explain that he had six types of ammo. Exactly, yes. Whereas <laughs> now, you know, when John Wagner writes Dread, or in fact even Rob Williams writing Dread on, say, The Small yeah. House or something like that, um, and you get you get very little backstory or exposition in that sort of sense. You just get, you know, here's, yep. this is what's happening, bang, you're in. Um, and also, it, I not to t- turn this into a Judge Dredd podcast, but um, they don't explain how Dredd's feeling very often. Like they might say that he he likes somebody or doesn't, but they'll just let him be in the panel yeah. with other things happening around him, and you'll know uh, how he feels. I think the one exception to that, which I still laugh about when I think about, is um, when he uh, wants to kill the sensitive Clegg, oh, yes. <laughs> where he's where he's willing to pack it all in just to, just to be able to murder yeah. sensitive Clegg. Um, if you yeah, speak I again, I will kill you. <laughs> Um, yeah so no, I mean you know that that was something I noticed um, you know I'm just flicking through it now I just love the ads uh, it's great to have the original issue isn't it and you get a letters page as well and of course the letters page announced uh, you've got Denny O'Neill announcing big announcement John Byrne is leaving Alpha Flight mm. so this is when, they, when we uh, uh, or when readers at the time because I think I only went up to issue 12 uh, okay. In Alpha Flight in the eighties, for obvious reasons, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, you've covered those. Uh, I remember all the house ads were running at the time, saying something big's uh, going to happen in Alpha Flight Twelve. You know. Yeah. One one shall surely die. Exactly. Like who's yes. who's going to survive this? Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah. So I mean, that was a big thing. I remember that. But yeah, looking at the the, the Transformers ads from the nineteen eighties and the letters page is great. Um, but yeah, the artistic choices, the art in there is lovely, the void stuff. Yes, and and also um, it Burns' figure work as well. It's so solid. Yes, yeah. Um, and uh, I especially like it when characters are entering or exiting the void. Um, in particular, there's one at the bottom of page 18 where the members of Alpha Flight are being sort of ejected like horizontally out of the void. Yeah, and and they're all at slightly. The the perspective on it is really interesting because they're they're coming out of a circle. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And so they're not. Yeah. And there's uh, and the way that they cut off the figures in line with the surface of that object. Um, I I just really like 
how he deals with with the figures in this, um, and and yeah, and that solid um, sort of the compositions and also the, the the figure work means that when he does sort of take it um, take it to another extreme with the the void stuff, both external and um, internal, when uh, Talisman is floating around inside, it's actually two pages, but it has such a big impact. Yeah. Um, it means that he can get away with that, and it's not. You can tell that it's conscious decision to draw like that. Yeah, I, that's. Uh, I mean, that is lovely as they they're emerging. Um, hmm. It is interesting. I mean, I know you've said this that Alpha Flight's a book about a team who rarely actually work as a team. Um, yeah. And most of Alpha Flight in this issue are actually literally reduced to mannequins. I mean, they're even posed, obviously, by Omega Flight. But, That's you know, right, yeah. And here they are just like, they're just um, Puck and, and North Star and Heather are just sort of being ejected by the void. Mm. Uh, or, um, But this wonderfully composed panel, as you say, at the bottom of the page. Yeah, it's, it's great stuff. And then the next one, you get a great explosion on the next page. So yeah, um, what a fantastic sound effect. Uh, yeah. Um, okay. Um, I think it sounds like we have done talking. The, the, just, I just want to swing quickly back round to Shaman because uh, this issue is very much about him and how he deals with issues and whether or not... I can't remember if he le- learns very much from this. Certainly his approach to making decisions changes uh, over the, the next few years and he realises that maybe he's a terrible decision maker but there is something as I said at the start of the podcast there's something affecting about how distraught he is um, he's, he's spent uh, other than when we first are introduced to him and he's uh, grieving over his wife and abandons his daughter to to go and uh, learn how to be the shaman um, I think this is the first time we've seen him really emote uh, and be affected by what's happening around him because he's always quite aloof. He's also he's got a smug cockiness about him, and part of that comes from because he's in tune with nature, and obviously he knows where the nexus points of reality are. That's something that uh, he's just with. Um, but to to br- have that broken down and for him to um, be really human again, I think is a, is a nice change. Unfortunately, that gets totally. Um, turned on its head by the Beyonders turning up and fixing everything for them. But <laughs> Yeah, what's the answer? Beyonder did it. Yeah, Wizards yeah. did it or the Beyonder. <laughs> How are we going to fix this? Beyonder, Beyonder, Beyonder. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, but that's, I think that's me um, done about this, unless you have anything else you want to talk about? No, just the fact that I think we, the other thing about Shaman is that we have, thanks to Anthony, I think we've drifted to calling him Shaman rather than Shaman or anything else. Uh, yeah, uh, I might switch backwards and forwards between episodes Absolutely, so people yeah. Yeah, get my own little rhythm going. Um, so that's it. Okay. Episode, what's that? Issue 27. Yeah, Issue 27. Burn. And I keep losing count of which episode this is of my own podcast. Oh, right. okay. um, because I've had so many like uh, Alpha Not Flights um, sort of shuffled in with them. And um, we've also talked about comics which aren't Alpha Flight. I'm either on 40... This is either 45 or 46, maybe. 
Uh, it's more podcasts than I, I thought I would have recorded, but there we go. Uh, you're up to a lot now, aren't you? 100? Uh, yeah, 110 will be out shortly. Yes, of yeah. Book Club, I think, is the next one out, which is about a comic yeah. called Kingdom of the Wicked. I don't think I've heard of that one. Ah, right, it's a good one. Yeah. Is that one of the older ones? So it's not like Tim the directly. It's Ian Edgington and Matt Disraeli Brooker, uh, yeah. who do um, uh, Scarlet Traces. And this was yeah. an independent comic they did called Kingdom of the Wicked. Okay. Was that the fairy one? What, did it make an appearance in the, in the prog? Or am I, I imagining I don't that? think it's been in the prog at all. Um, okay. It's the one about a uh, a chap who's a children's author. Mm. And he starts having these terrible sort of um, headaches. And he is... When he falls into comas or falls asleep, he's transported into a fantasy world that he created in his mind when he was a kid. Right. Um, and he's, this is the first time he's gone back to it. And it's sort of like the fantasy world has all gone to hell in a handcart while he's been away, sort of. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, but that will be a, that's uh, episode 110 of Mega City Book Club, which will be out um, just before Christmas, if you're listening to this in 2019. Okay, excellent. Um, right, uh, and... It, so, uh, uh, Mega City Book Club, they can just find that in their local podcast. Yes, you'll find it wherever you find uh, Alpha Flight uh, or Alpha Pod Flight in your podcatcher, the Mega City Book Club. Yeah. Uh, the website is megacitybookclub.com. We're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram. And if anybody wants to come on a British comic book podcast and talk about a book, for instance, if somebody wanted to come on and talk about the 1983. 2000 AD sci-fi special which features John Burns I think only uh, British work. Dread appearance. Yeah, yeah, drawing Dread. So, you know, somebody wants to pick that and come on and talk about it, please do. John Byrne drawing Dread. Uh, again, I think something that John Byrne has since sort of um, been rather dismissive about it. He felt it wasn't a great story, unfortunately. <laughs> no, and I, I get the impression that he likes British comics and likes the Judge Dredd character so if he didn't feel that he did a good job maybe that's why he's a bit dismissive of it I think he really wanted to do it, he, apparently he did petition to do it, so you know yeah Yeah. Okay, so okay. that's megacityboookclub.com and I'll stop plugging it now. No, no, that's fine this is the plug section yep. um, uh, and where can people find you on Twitter if you'd want them to? MCBC Podcast because uh, I couldn't fit Mega City Book Club in there but if you search <laughs> Mega City Book Club uh, you'll find it. Yeah, it's MCBC Podcast, and the Gmail is mcbcpodcast at gmail.com. Perfect. Thanks, Thank Gareth. you. That's all right. If anybody wants to find me on the internet, I'm on Twitter as at grthink, um, and my website is at grthink.com. Um, as we're recording now, it's we're sort of mid December, and I'm taking a break from comics because I've had a very busy few months. Uh, and so, um, but the project I'm working up to, Explosive Sweet Freezer Razors, will be out hopefully sometime next year if I can get pace going. But uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, and people can buy my comics from the internet. They're quite easy to find if you know, if you if you try. Um, thank you very much for joining me, Eamon. Uh, this has been really fun. Yeah, no, uh, thank it was you nice for having night. me. I hope it was okay. No, it was brilliant. It's nice to go back to the John Byrne ones. Um, I think we, this is the first John Byrne we've done in a while um, because we've been talking about Bill Mantlow and some of the 
uh, the the later issues. Still waiting um, so for you to get to that Bill Mantlo puck uh, issue. Well, no, I mentioned this on the previous episode. I gave it to my friend at work uh, and said I really like because I think she'd have some interesting opinions on it. But um, she did never read it. She's got no interest in coming on the co- on the podcast. Uh, but she never gave the comic back either. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I'll find someone to to come on and talk about it because uh, yeah, I think after the death of Guardian, it's probably the thing that comes up most in conversations about Alpha Flight. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. All right. Well, thank you again, uh, and hopefully people will come back uh, the next time I have someone on to talk about Alpha Flight on another exciting episode of Alpha Pod Flight. Thank you and goodbye. <laughs>